Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Wednesday Night Live. In fact, this is the final Wednesday Night Live of 2023. What a year it has been. My name is Ron Crawford. I am coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And it's a great blessing, as always, to reach out to my congregation here in Dallas from the Father's Church. And um, especially during this festive season to bless everyone with a very happy holiday collection of days. Pray that everything is going well for you. I, uh, I particularly have had some challenging days these past couple of days. Somehow, I guess I inherited the flu <laughs> and um, I wasn't feeling very well on Monday, Tuesday, and today I'm still a little bit queasy, but I've been able to work, I've been able to study, been able to correspond with people. And so I really didn't miss any assignments, which is always my goal. Uh, at a time when most people were uh, just celebrating, as they should, uh, I was recuperating. So it's, it's a real blessing to be here in the booth with you on this beautiful Wednesday. And I pray that God will keep you and give you health and strength in, um, in the days that are to come. I have a really interesting uh, message for you today, and uh, as opposed to those other ones, and I, uh, I am really looking forward to get into it. But before I do, being a local church, it is imperative that I make some announcements. So here we go. Remember, my congregation, that our service this coming Sunday which is New Year's Eve, begins at 11 o'clock. There is no Sunday school this week. 11 o'clock. And um, it's going to be somewhat of a prophetic service. Um, and I think that that's well in keeping with what we should be doing. I would encourage, um, graciously offer to our Saints Network um family, pastors and prayer group leaders and individual saints <clears throat> that you also consider what God is doing and commit yourself afresh for the work that is at hand. And uh, this coming Sunday and Monday would be good days to do that. Of course, one week from this next from this Saturday, one week from Saturday is first Saturday. So we will be uh, offering a uh, a measure of accord and intercession for our network for that day. But this coming Sunday, New Year's Eve, let's uh, let's prophetically looking forward look forward. And I'm asking my congregation during these next few days to reflect on all of the wonderful things that God has done in this past year. There have been a lot of them. It's not my purpose today to go through them with you. Perhaps we'll touch on them on Sunday, but as a network and as individuals, we've, we've encountered a lot of wonderful blessings in the Lord, visitations of his presence, his spirit, uh, open doors, phenomenal demonstrations of his power, transitions, uh, miraculous provision. It's just been, I'm not saying it's been without challenges, but it's been victory after victory after victory. So take time to make your list of things that you recall and then go back again and look at it. Uh, the Spirit will remind you of other things and give thanks to the Lord for those. This is what I intend to do. I've already begun to do it in my mind and um, 
but I, I intend to do that over these next couple of days. <clears throat> and um, I'm also making another list in anticipation of the year that's coming, and I'll get to that in just a couple of minutes, but also for my congregation. At the end of our Sunday service, whatever time that would be, we are going to be having a, a celebration in the fellowship hall uh, in the lower level of our sanctuary facility. And it's going to be a chili cook-off. And it's going to be um, just a wonderful time, fellowship and eating. If you don't like chili, bring something that you like to eat. Don't forego the moment because, oh, I don't like chili. If you're a vegetarian, make vegetarian chili. Don't ask me to try it, but make it. Um, as Kelly said on this past Sunday, she will be sending out an email uh, soon um, to give you some details. But the one thing she did on say on Sunday is, this service on Sunday morning is a very important service. So don't arrive at 11 o'clock and go downstairs and chit-chat with all the other people that have done the same thing you did and get your chili and talk about it and then emerge into the sanctuary at quarter to, 11, quarter to 12. Please don't do that. You've got a later service time. So plan to get here early and take your chili downstairs Hopefully, we'll have things set up for you with instructions as to where to place it, how to keep it hot. I know there's all kinds of things that are involved in this, but let's, uh, let's plan a little bit ahead of time. And I'm sure she's going to want to know who's planning to bring chili so that we don't end up with two chilies and not enough to feed people. So we'll have to crack open cans of Wolf Brand chili or whatever. Um, raid the pantry down there. So we need to know so that if we don't see enough participation to feed the people with the actual cook-off, now we can have plenty. I always want to make sure we have more than enough food for our fellowship times. Usually it's, it is more than enough, but I'd rather have that than not enough. So God's a God of more than enough, isn't he? If God planned a little better, he'd just have enough. Well, we want to have more than enough. So, that's it. That, speaking of enough, that's enough for announcements. Last night, I my family was gone, and um, I studied a lot of verses about the rest of God. Now I want to preface this by saying we've had studies on the rest of God. There was a season's collection of teachings on the rest of God. It should be available in our archives. Um, and was it, Pastor? I have no idea. It's been several years ago, but it's on the archives. Um, I don't intend to footnote every word that's ever been spoken about this. I've got some fresh insights that I feel the Lord wants me to share. So if I don't mention a particular teaching or a particular mention in a book, please forgive me. Take pity upon me. I've been in the throes of battling illness the past few days. I gathered myself up by the skin and bones, came up here to the booth. I'm here, so please be gracious to me. But last night I studied about the rest of the Lord and God was talking to me about some things that I had never seen before. I'm always grateful for that. Through eternity he will be doing that. But um, I drifted off and I had a lot of dreams last night. And one of the dreams that I had was a really profound word. And... Uh, and it was right before I woke up at five. Um, and um, I was standing near the glass doors that lead to the glass office and 
the back of Peace Chapel. And there was an, an individual standing to my left, just a step in front of me. He was an older man. He looked very familiar to me, but I knew he was a heavenly, um, a heavenly visage. And I knew that where I was standing to his right hand was significant for what we're praying about, uh, what we are what we're entering into for this new year. Now, who was this man? I don't know. I didn't see his name tag. I don't know whether he was an angel. I don't know whether he was um, a type of an expression from the throne. I don't think that was the case. It was obviously directed by the throne. I felt, just me, that this was one of the great cloud of witnesses that has served the Lord and God is giving them the opportunity to make declaration into what he's doing in the continuation of the work that they've partnered with him to do. That's not glorifying the dead. That's not communicating with the dead. That's just seeing what's happening up there. You know, there's a lot of dead people that have died and risen in heaven. So, if you go into heaven, you're going to see some of them. They're not in an antechamber waiting for the horn to blow, and then the doors open, you rush in and get a good seat. Well, this guy says, to the direction of, from the back of Peace Chapel, I apologize to those, those of you who weren't here, who have never been here. But this is not really important. This is just for logistics for our people. From Standing right inside that entry door from the outside, he was directioned toward truly where the platform would be. So that would be the northwest corner of Peace Chapel. And he said, we call forth the powers of the East. And it was, I could tell, and that's why I thought that this was a, this was a great cloud of witness individual because it was great humility upon this individual. And um, it almost seemed rattled by what he was saying, the, the profundity of it. And um, it, was, it was really interesting to see that the humility and the meekness and the honor by which this word was being released so then i woke up and of course initially i thought the powers of the east because so i wanted you know when you wake up from a dream you want to remember as especially if it's a dream that's that you know is really profound from the lord you want to remember as many details as you can and you want to ride the moment of that visitation, the anointing of it. And by ride, I mean you want to take advantage of the anointing that's still on that. So I recognized that I'd remembered everything I could from that dream. There were other things that were said that I heard that I didn't understand when I was hearing them. And... Um, by lots of other voices. That didn't bother me. There's a whole lot that goes on in heaven that I don't understand. That's no, that's no mystery revealed. <laughs> Same could be said for every one of you. But um, I first thought the powers of the East, is that China, Russia, the great times of the end? Well, I looked into that. I studied east. I studied eastward. I studied eastern. I studied. And you can do that with your Bible program really quickly. If you, if you become study to show yourself approved. I whipped through that in about 10 minutes. And you can do it too. But I, I determined that the east 
really represents how God initiates his move, like the rising of the sun, um, how, how he sends um, his, his power to exert himself for his people, on behalf of his people, uh, for prophetic events. But the most notable of them that I think is for us was that when Jesus said that um, when he comes back, the coming of the Son of Man is going to be as lightning comes from the east to the west. And we're going into what we in the Saints Network uh, honor as the year of truth and sonship. Um, and I, I know that with that, there's going to be a lot of uh, sons of the Most High that are going to be commissioned as lightning. And they're, they're going to be empowered for the parts of the world where they have been assigned to serve many, many nations. And I believe that that empowerment, the power, the powers of the East is going to equip them to represent the throne, voices, thunders, lightnings, earthquakes. And, um, and I think that it's going to be a year of placement and power, positioning and possibility, and purpose and plan and power of function. So the powers of the East are being released for this year. And you can do that study for yourself. And just look through the scripture. I know this was from the Lord. And I, I'm very, very grateful. I remember other types of snippets of dreams that I've had over the years. Um, and I been faithful when I know that it is on behalf of our work together to share that. I remember seeing the name Elohim over the platform. I remember being um, as a vulnerable uh, individual standing with nothing to show, show before the presence of God on another time and those those dreams at the crest of the year did seem to hallmark what was coming for the year to come but this time we stand at the right hand of what I know is the throne a pronouncement from the throne on behalf of God's purpose and will toward figuratively in heaven what would be the nations um, I, I know that that was from the Lord. So the powers of the East. The year of truth and sonship. That's, what's, that's what our message is going to be about today and the rest of God. Now, when, when God several years ago um, talked to us about his seven spirits, and he talked about the progression of his seven spirits. And he named, uh, well, no, that's not a good term. Through the study of the scripture, looking up all of the designations of the spirit of God, he, he put them into a place of, of rotation, aligning with the, the colors of the, of the of rainbow. The, the covenant of God with man for the earth. The God's signature, as it were. If you give your signature, you're committing yourself. I guess in our day it doesn't really mean that. But in a true sense, it does. Um, and, and we said at the time that <clears throat> truth and sonship um, is found in the seventh place. It's his purple. It's a kingly thing. 
We've taught a lot about this, written about this, so I'm not going to do another teaching on that because we've got a lot to talk about here today. But we also said that it was like the wheel within the wheel, that the seven spirits went wonderfully in both directions. I remember when Pastor Fabian made that circle that rotated for us where you could align um, the flow of the whatever year we were celebrating in the Lord or whatever dimension of God's spirit he's manifesting at the time. Um, And you can see how it aligns with how the other flow, the other direction of flow would be. That's a really, I appreciate Fabian doing that. It's been very helpful. But I, I, I think that I've thought about this and and I think that the progression, truth and sonship toward grace, uh, toward um, the spirit of glory and of God to the, the spirit of holiness, to the spirit of prophecy, that progression is what God imparts to us for our development. And we share with him and we're, we are personally developed. And I don't think that that waits... Um, Um, I don't think you have to wait till one segment is done to the next segment is done. I think, I think that that's an equipping that God keeps accentuating and developing. The other way, when you go out of truth and sonship into the eighth, into the new, um, it's, it's your assignment. And immediately you embrace judgment and burning, the mishpat and the ba'ar. You, you, you accept what God has ordained to do, his purpose, his plan, and you begin to welcome its function. You begin to resuscitate the things that God wants to do. And as you're doing that, you have to commit yourself to be willing to give all that you are no soldier is worth their weight if they're not willing to give all that they are. And that's grace, supplication. You initiate prayer and partnership with God. And then you're learning. You're, you're girding up. You're, you're gaining wisdom. And your, your main objective is to bring about the, the restoration of what God's purpose is what God's glory is really wanting to achieve. And so I think that the one direction is our personal measure of development in becoming like God, more like him. And the other is our assignment. But they they will flow beautifully together because if you're being developed in conjunction with what your assignment is, how great is that? I mean, they, they both accentuate one another. They both, they both help one another. And that's what, that's what God does. I mean, you, you learn on the job. You do and you teach. You know, hopefully you're learning and you're developing so that you can teach. If you're as, if you're as dumb as rocks and you're not paying attention, and you're not being a steward of the mysteries, and you just want everything simple and easy, and everybody else, just just tell me what you want to do. Why don't you just tell me what you want to see? Um, Then you're not going to be able to teach anything. You tell it, Mary, you know it better than me. So um, I, I, I just think that this is a really unique moment for us, we're going to see demonstrations of the kingdom in the nations, in the development of sons, the placement of people, and the equipping and the empowerment of those people in ways we have not seen. We saw glimmers of it this past year, but what's coming in God's plan is going to be phenomenal as lightning from the east. And What's God's true power? I think 
I can say this on the basis of the totality of the word, that God's true power is love, and embedded in that love, the agape of God, the breathing hard in devotion after his purpose, is you. So the greatest power that God will exhibit is his agape in you. Well, bless God, what about when he sent his son? The greatest of these is agape. Is that not what I just said? We're to be Christ-like. At least that's what Christian means. It's what it says in my Bible, and I bet it says it in yours, no matter what version you have. Even those watered-down ones. Um, God so loved the world that he gave his son. Even that was through sonship. So the greatest power, I think, is the agape of God and his sons. God takes great delight in that. That's the one thing he does not have. He will not make people serve him as sons. That's a gift that only we can give. And so when that happens, that's the apex of, of what God has desired. And I think that's an immeasurable honor for all of us. And it's such a great blessing. So, what does this have to do with the rest of God? And what does this have to do with truth and sonship? Well, let's look at a scripture. And we're going to look at several scriptures today. I did not write them out. Let's go old school here. You have your Bible program. You have your, your written Bible. We're just going to do just like... My old uncle Augustus used to do. I don't have an uncle Augustus. Well, we used to come together for prayer and Bible study right after our sword drill. Everybody had their Bible. And we would turn the rustling of the leaves. It's good for you to do that. I have no problem with outlines on a page. I've done hundreds of them. But... Every now and then, it's good for you to learn where scriptures are. So, here we go. 1 Peter 4, 14. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy makarios are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, you have functioned in his glory whenever you are partnering with what God wants to do and I would dare say that the the measure of the fulfillment of his seven spirits his ways which those remember those seven colors form together in science to form white light brilliant brilliant light the light of God. So when, when you are representing that and when you fulfill it, you're moving in the light of the Lord. That's a scientific maxim. So uh, we're really fulfilling his glory. Something that he's wanted to do that he has not yet done, you partner with him and that's the two indicators of the glory in the Old Testament. What God hasn't done that he's wanted to do, that he's going to do, and those who partner with him and represent that. Seems we've studied that before. So when we talk about fulfilling the glory here, which is what this verse says, and we talk about people who are blaspheming, and anybody who stands against what God is doing, what the Spirit is doing, 
woe to them. Well, what about those people that don't know what they're doing? Well, they just need to keep their mouths shut, which is a lost art in most churches. But God takes this very seriously. When you are representing something from his throne, not just commenting on a visitation that you don't understand, but when you are purposely going against what God has commissioned from his throne, you're setting yourself up for a world of trouble. So the Council of Gamaliel was, hey, if God's in this, we better keep quiet because we can't do anything about it anyway. But if God's not in it, it's going to show itself. That's been one of the things. That's a list that I've been making. All of the things that we as a network and as a church, and I dare say personally, have suffered. Each one of those is, is a dying to something that was precious to us that is going to bring forth fruit in the years to come. And at times I have thought of people who have gone beyond the bounds of, um, of just not understanding or wanting to hold on to their power or their position or just being ornery. Um, people who have just taken it up a few notches and done the work of Satan and trying to stop what God's doing. I've been, as the Spirit has brought them to mind, I've been asking God to forgive them and to visit them, to give them space to repent if they're still alive. Some of them have already died. God help them. But what God has given us as saints, I think it's obvious by now, is touching the world. I mean, the miracles in nation after nation after nation. Only God could do that. And it's, it's only going to be a burgeoning fruitfulness. And we have to come to this point. I think part of it is cathartic for me where seeing this through the lens of many years off to even though I have asked God to forgive them, even though I have forgiven them. Sometimes it was a little hard. You should forgive as Christ forgives. Don't lecture me. Until you've walked in the shoes that these people have walked in, in the progression with the Lord, we don't need your, your opinion on this. God wants us to follow what his spirit says. There are many levels of forgiveness. You know that? Now, what I mean by that is you openly give it all to the Lord. You don't hold back. Well, I can forgive, I can forgive, but I can't forget. All of that baloney, you just give it up. But there are levels where you give something to the Lord and he knows you've given it, but the wound is still there. And later on, God will remind you of something or you'll say, ouch, out of the blue. And, and what God's doing at that point, he... He knows how to gain the best from the investment you've made with him. And you release that to him. You know what I'm talking about. It's not that you've been holding out to people get their comeuppance. I do not understand his comeuppance. Um, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. This is weird this time because God's bringing things up to me now that over the years he's touched many times. And now, I'm not saying it's finished, but I don't really feel the pain now. Uh, it's, it's a totally different feeling. And, and I think that's a progression of development. See, God, when God asks you to forgive, he, he wants you to submit it to him. Take it out of your hands and give it to him. And he then is going to work the best of his glory out of it. He knows the development. If he just cleaned the slate 
How would you grow in that? Is it, do you just go up to the teller window and cash in a bundle? You know, I forgave, now give me this. No, it's development. How does God forgive? Well, let's talk about that for a second. I didn't intend to. But you go before the Lord, though our sins were scarlet, he's made them as white as snow. Does that mean you're suddenly Mr. Clean? In his eyes, yeah. But you've got a lot of work to do. You've got a lot of development to do. I've seen people who have forgiven, just for instance, just for instance, some kind of a miscreant behavior that's been done to them, and I know they're sincere in forgiving it, but yet there's still a limp in their walk from that. Yet, maybe sometimes they still respond in a negative way not because of any mental acquiescence to it, but it's just like a scalded dog is afraid of all water. You heard that phrase? I hate, forgive that dog illustration for you puppy lovers. That's an old English phrase. But it's true. Sometimes you, um, you've forgiven something, and then if you're not careful you'll start acting even in a family in the same way that you were treated. So just forgiving somebody doesn't mean that the end of the process of refinement and fruitfulness has concluded for you. When, and when, so when God forgives, how does God forgive? How does God forgive? Well, it's yes to allow you to submit to him. Yes, it's for you to release somebody, but it's for your development so that you become stronger and you truly become an overcomer, not just a victor that escaped by the skin of your teeth. Does that make sense? Sometimes people have told me in my role as a pastor that they forgive, but I know that deep inside them, it's kind of like telling, asking a kid, hey, did, you, did you eat that cookie? And their mouth is full, and they say, no. <laughs> Crumbs dripping off their face. Sometimes I've heard people say they've forgiven somebody, and I know good and well that the wound is still oozing and they've tried, but it's not. Sometimes forgiveness, for you, you release it to God. So your part is done when you release it to God. And you don't keep digging it up. You don't keep scratching the wound open. Sometimes when we started to go into prophetic ministry, sometimes visiting prophets would hit on some wound that somebody had. And my goodness, if you're not careful, you become addicted to somebody telling you all the troubles you've seen that nobody knows. When you get to the point where you don't bring it up and you don't want anybody else bringing it up, that's when you know there's enough skin that's, that's healed over that, that you're really on the right path. But you got to get to that point. And um, so and that was not my message for today, but somebody needed that. So I'm going into this year of truth and sonship specifically addressing, this is an offshoot, but it's important for me, those that have done wrong toward the kingdom and what God's given us to do, we're really asking God to, to get a hold of them for his benefit and for theirs. We don't want anybody to be lost. I don't I don't want to say, yeah, I forgive you, but you got hell waiting for you. Well, that sounds good. If you if you take delight in that, if the savor of that really captivates every every cell in your tongue, maybe you haven't forgiven much. So 
the main thing that I wanted to talk about, though, was the spirit of glory of God resting. Now here, this word is a wonderful Greek word, anapausis. I know Anna. I knew all apausises. Or apausis is pulsi, <laughs> plural. Or collection of pausises, pulsi. Anapausis. And it goes off of the root pao. There's also catapausis. There's epinalsomai. There's a lot of derivatives of this, but the main thing is to understand that pao, P-A-U-O, means that you've completed something. In your eyes, the work is done. But having the work done in God's eyes is different than us having a work done. Because when God gets something done that's the beginning so it's going to continue stick with me now okay so this word the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you what does that mean does this relegate the spirit of glory and of God as the dimension, the sixth, the dark indigo blue, um, does this relegate the rest of God to that? Well, that's interesting because I think that it's placed there. If you study about the Spirit of God resting um, in in the Old Testament, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It, should teach several sessions on this but in the old testament you can talk about the ruach the spirit of god the nuach and the manucha and that's a different kind of resting of of the spirit it's it's when you decide to partner with the spirit of god at his invitation where you become somebody who is a nuach who gives your first fruits you're you're serving the lord and then essentially, and eventually, you welcome the indwelling, continual abiding presence of the Menucha of God. Those are translated as resting. And that's good. But those are indications of how the Spirit of God comes upon a person or a thing. This word, anapausis, um, is is quoted in the New Testament on a number of occasions as the type of rest that God entered into on the seventh day of creation. Does that make sense? So there are really at least two types of the rest of God throughout the Bible. The first is this, which would be the objective of sonship based upon what God has created, that he created for us. Now, how do I say he created it for us? Because the seventh day is a Sabbath, according to what Jesus said, and I think we can all agree that's pretty good authority. In Mark 2, verses 27 and 28, let me just go there so I can read it, just so your old Aunt Sally won't say I'm not speaking the Scripture. Mark 2, um, verse 27 and 28. And he said, who said? Jesus said unto them. Who said that? Jesus did. Oh, well, tell me one more time. I didn't hear you real well over there. Jesus said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Hmm. 
Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, God created the whole concept of Sabbath to teach us how to function with him in his ways and to be sons. This is why Jesus is the Lord, Curios, of the Sabbath. Because we, in the amazing, infinite capacities our God is, are being brought into him. And the easiest way for God to show us this principle was to create this scenario of the seventh day. Now we've talked and we've taught on this in the past. Now, when I was a kid, the, the idea was that you couldn't do anything on a Sunday. Um, and that was what the rest on the seventh day was. I won't go into further details about that. I saw a Babylon Bee article about how that the Seventh-day Adventists are starting their own restaurant, Seventh-day Chick-fil-A, so that they could have Chick-fil-A open on Sunday. That's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Seventh-day Chick-fil-A. But the Sabbath was never meant to be something that was a bondage. It was supposed to be teaching us how to know God in, in relationship as our father, as sons. And it's like when Jesus healed the woman on the Sabbath day who was all crippled and bent over and those numbskulls on the other side of the synagogue said, well, aren't there six days of the week to be healed? Do it on that day and not on the seventh. And he said, which, which of you hypocrites um, would not loose your ox or your farm animal on the Sabbath to take him to get water. Should not this woman who has been tethered to a satanic restriction for 18 years be loosed so that she can go and fulfill what the water of the Spirit has for her? So the Sabbath was never meant to be a restriction, even though with those that, that those vagabonds that Moses had to deal with, he called them rebels, I think. My term vagabond is, is a lot lighter, don't you think? Um, they had to be kind of restrictive. Isn't that the way it is? Remember when you learned to drive, and some of you, if some of you learned to drive, if you ever learned, put your hands on the steering wheel at 10 and 2. Now, some of you purists probably still do that. I I only put my hands at 10 and 2 on the steering wheel if the roads are really rough or if I see people around me that I think don't have any clue what they're doing. Not in the car, of course. In other vehicles around me. And um, But usually I just drive. But you had to learn in that way so that you could function with... Um, you know, with a skill set as you learned. So the Sabbath was made so that we could learn about God. And this word, where it says in Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3, let's go there as well. Genesis 2, where's Genesis? Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3. And on the seventh day... On the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested. This word there is sabbat. But, like I said, on a number of occasions in the New Testament, direct quotations and references to this, it's the word we've been talking about. And on the seventh day, he rested from all his work which he's made. And what did God do? God blessed this dimension of this day and sanctified it. Because that in it, 
he had rested from all his work. The beauty of anapausis or powo is that God finishes something for the purpose of use, for utilization. And what did he do? He blessed and sanctified. What's blessed? Well, by cracky, it's our old friend, Barak, which means to kneel before for a measure of promotion from a superior. Who, I might ask, is superior to God? Ain't nobody superior to God. So God instilled in the seventh day this measure of Barak. And he also instilled in this the measure of the Kadash, the partnership with his glory. So what does this mean? The rest of God was when God, God had just created man on the sixth day. So now he's positioned himself as he's completed his work for hopefully man to learn how to commune with God, to accept God's mission on behalf of creation, to kneel before God, to gain that measure of acknowledgement and promotion, and to partner with God in His glory. That, my dear saint, is the rest of God. So when we come to this year, we come to this place where we're looking forward into the year of truth and sonship, where God is going to be using us as his sons to empower those sons who are willing to go forth as his lightning to impact the world. What about creation? These people are positioned in locations that God has deposited his glory into. His stemmy deposits that the cross of Christ paid for. That's God's creation. We're being promoted to represent him there. He's purchased it. He created it. And then he purchased it again after the rebellion of Adam, the rebellion of Satan first, then the rebellion of Adam. He purchased it by his cross, by his blood. And he gives that to you. The Father sends you to carry your cross, to establish that. Remember those teachings? That's the rest of the Lord. It's going forward into the new always developing more and more into his likeness, always fulfilling what his purpose is. That's the rest of the Lord. So why is, the, why is what we read initially uh, from uh, 1 Peter 4.4, 4, why does the Spirit, let's read it, 414, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. The spirit of glory of God is the sixth dimension. Glad it wasn't the fifth dimension. They had a lot of hits in the 70s. No, I'm just joking. Forgive me. Well, some of you forgive me. Some of you are laughing. Robert knows what that means. Um, this is the sixth day is the day man was created. God built into mankind the opportunity to partner with him in his glory, to know him in the depths of who he is, so that we can accomplish what this rest really represents. Rest in this definition is not reclining and doing nothing. Whoever thought that God would ever do that? Does God wait? Yes. Does God give his timing? Yes. But God's never doing nothing. It may appear that way, but it only seems that way. 
So the spirit of glory and of God rests is really ingrained in you in that place in the spirit of glory and of God. And it it's part of how you were created. You were created for this. So that when we come, when we, when we are commissioned by the Spirit of God for the new day, when we kneel before him and we accept, we're rejoicing in what he's done, what he's doing, and we're looking forward to the new. We're ready to uncover things that have been hidden, but now God is revealing. And we want to do that as faithful sons serving at the right hand of God under our elder brother, the Lord Jesus. When we're being developed, we're being developed in that pathway of the rest of God, what he has created, which belongs to him. And that's the beauty of being saints. Because we're, we're asking God to restore certain things that were created that have been twisted or ignored. Uh, and that's another topic and trail we can go down. But you know that story. You know that study. Hagias from the New Testament. So, I, I just believe that as we emerge from this year of glory and of God, God's been working that measure of anapausis in us. And as we go into this year of truth and sonship, where we're going to see phenomenal things done in establishing sons, I think we're going to be developed in his ways in wonderful dimensions. And I'm looking forward to that. God help us. But I think that the mission that we're going to walk together is going to be incredible. Maybe the Barak... The blessing is for the mission and maybe the sanctified, the holy is for our development. I don't know. I'm just meditating. That's the thing about the Lord. You could, It's like a multi, 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 multi faceted diamond. As long as you're looking at the diamond, you're going to find all kinds of the beauty of the Lord. Now, this anaplausis is a very interesting thing because it's so important. Uh, just touch on a couple of things in the minutes we have remaining. Um, in uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 8, it says that uh, Paul was writing and he said that a certain group of people refreshed not only his spirit, but the people that he was writing to in Corinth. Anapausis. Somehow this connects with our spirit. Because it can be encouraged and refreshed. 2 Corinthians 7.13 says that Titus, his spirit was refreshed. Same word. Philemon, verse 7, verse 20 both said that the bowels of or the you know the ma'a that the the place of the spirit was refreshed both of those so there you have four instances where this refreshing this this word we've been talking about affected positively the spirit the core of the person that's significant um Epinausomai is in Luke ten six, where Jesus was saying, if you're going into a city, if you find peace, you say peace to this house where you're staying. And, you know, there's a unique inter interchange, but it says that if you're staying in the house, your peace, the mission that's been given to you by God will rest, same word, upon that house. So it's your mission from the Father, not just your pleasant smile and agreeable personality, but your mission will impact that and can impact it. Sometimes people are 
as hammerheads, and they're not going to, Jesus even references, he doesn't call them hammerheads. He said, if they reject your peace, you know, you shake, you shake them off. Jesus said that, so I think that's fair. Don't you love those people? Jesus said that. It's about the mission. It's about the mission from the Father. And if you let people get in your way, you're going to have all kinds of things that will interrupt what God has given you to do. That's why Jesus said in one occasion, salute no man by the way. It's why he sent that prophet who addressed at Bethel that wicked king and he said, you, you go in, you do your job, you get out. You don't do anything with anybody else than do your mission. He, he, he obeyed going in, didn't coming out. Very interesting, isn't it? The final verse I want to touch on was when Jesus said about when an unclean spirit goes out of a person, it goes through dry places seeking rest. This is our word. Do you think the enemy will try to populate the place that God has created that you and I are being commissioned to, through the power of God's truth, through the spirit of truth, and in the in the in the gift of sonship through our Lord Jesus Christ, you think the enemy wants you to come and evict him from those places? Of course not. So I know I dumped a, a heavy load on you here. You can see what happens with me either laying down. I came into the office yesterday. I just didn't hang around people. Um, I'm here again today. But for the most part, I've just been studying and watching different documentaries, studying, drinking lots of Wawa, organic, alkaline. How can you have organic water? <laughs> We're going to grow us some water over here, and we ain't going to use any pesticides as we grow it. I'm sure there's some. It's, it's pure. It's pure. So I've been trying to take care of myself for all of you who give me advice. But the year we're coming into is uniquely positioned by our Father. And we need to, um, we need to really take it seriously because uh, we want to live this next year. We should live all of our life this way. Recognizing that the Father has commissioned us as sons, we kneel before him, we, we function on that commissioning, that authority, that assignment, and we go forward to accomplish what he wants for his glory. You were created for that to rest upon you. And so act like it. Live like it. But it has to do with what he created. And it has to do with you functioning with his ways <coughs> to claim that creation and to utilize it for what God intended with you and him. That's wonderful. So, as we end, God bless all of you. Uh, we'll see you Sunday for the New Year's service that begins at 11. Make your list of all the wonderful things that God has done over this past year. Give him thanks for it. We're going to commit ourselves to the Lord as we enter into the new year on this weekend. It's not too late to start, not too early to start. You can go ahead and start doing that now. And um, don't forget, congregation, that uh, we're going to have a, a celebratory fellowship time at the end of the service on Sunday here in Dallas. So look for an email about the, the chili cook-off. But the most important thing is the power of God 
is being released for this year unlike anything we've ever seen before. Let's let's accept it and be ready for it and let's let the rest of God be ours. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having pity on me um, for my dalliances in this message. But I do think that if you parse through it, there's a few nuggets of gold for you. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you soon. God bless and goodbye.